Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal and life growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your life forward. My guest today, Seth Elliott, is an intuitive, spiritual business coach. We'll figure out what all that means in a little bit. He's a medium, a life healer, speaker, author, and a life and death expert, and he talks a lot about bereavement and everything involved there. And his vision is to inspire the world one by one to smile from the inside, and he has a great deal to say, the basis of which is know who you are, embrace who you are, and be who you are, no matter what the circumstances or what your past, and you can heal from anything, and we're really going to get into it, and especially in, in what's happening in today's world with the uncertainty and everything, it's certainly a good time to talk to Seth. Um, a little bit on his backstory, and by the time he was 32, he already cheated death three times, narrowly escaped two kidnappings, that's insane, I want to hear about that and lost five good friends within a very brief period of time. Uh, tough for anybody, and, and we really wanna talk about uh, how that not only affected him at that time, but you know what he's done to really harness it, unpack it, and pay it forward. Um, and being unprepared for those events, you know, he searched everywhere to find the resource that would help him, and to no unveiling, he said, you know what, I'm gonna figure this out myself, and he developed the SMILE method, which we'll talk about, uh, and he wrote his first book, How I Learned to Smile from the Inside. We're gonna talk about that, talk about trauma, bereavement, death, life, all that more. And I'm thrilled to have Seth on the show today to showcase his unique charisma and that New York, New England. And we're going to see if he's a Patriots fan, Giants fan, no football <laughs> fan. But we're going to bring out his swag. Here we go. I'm done talking. Seth Elliott, welcome to the podcast, my man. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here <laughs> and honored to be here. That, that was a very long-winded intro, I mean, but I feel like I had to get it out. It was inside. It was stuck in there. I wrote it. It was in my head, and now I had to come out. So let, let's start things off here. Why don't you help me bring my tribe up to speed on your story? How did we get from where we were to where we are today? Let's, let's bring everyone into the world of Seth Elliott. Um, it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, you know, if we had maybe hours, I could tell you, but no, just getting the abridged version. Right. So when I was four or five, I remember exactly what I was doing, what I was wearing and where I was. And I knew that I wanted to change the world and I didn't know how, right. So it was either going to be being a fireman. It was going to be uh, a lawyer, an actor or a figure skater. Cause for some reason at four or five, the young gay boy still was really into the figure skating. The conflicting <laughs> between firefighter and figure skater, somewhere right. in the middle there. You go. <laughs> so I led my life searching for how to change the world. And, you know, I thought, so I was a huge overachiever. I mean, I, I think that's partly because I was gay and bullied and all that stuff. So I think that had quite the effect on how I want, what I wanted to show the world that I'm, that not that I'm better than, but I know a secret sauce or I wanted a secret sauce that I could then tell the world, you know, and share with the world. So, you know, going up in my teens and then I graduated high school early because I just wanted to get into, I thought Broadway was my way into, I don't know, being super famous and then going back 
and really helping the world, right? So um, I was modeling and acting and singing and stuff in New York. That didn't really work out. So my parents were very smart. They always instilled upon me a plan B, right? So, which was, has been corporate America for the past 22 years. And that's where the kind of the business in corporate America part of what I do comes into play, you know? So I was in New York. I literally had an existential crisis when I was 24. And so I became a yoga teacher and worked at a spa and became a certified coach. And so I've been doing that for 15, 16 years. But during that time, I, I started to realize this is what I want. I want to help people one-on-one, -on -one, right? It wasn't so much later that I learned, no, 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 I want one-to-many. Like, I don't want this one-to-one -one kind of stuff. Right. I was say bullshit, right? Excuse my French. Um, but yeah, so I left New York, came to LA, and I, I once again started in corporate America, started acting and modeling again here in LA, um, which I don't normally admit to people. I don't know why I'm on that front today. But anyway. Um, <laughs> is, it every, I, is it that everybody in LA or they're a bartender or waitress aspiring actor? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Right. Like, I'm a business coach. I'm a medium. I'm a healer. I'm a Reiki person. Like, I, you have to have at least four or five things. Otherwise. What, but, what, but what level Reiki are you? That's what's most important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a level, I'm a level 27. We'll just get there. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm 44. I'm not a master, but I can I can do. I'm a practitioner. Right. I think they're, yeah. All uh, my man. husband, he, he's the master and can teach. Anyway, um, yeah. So um, and it wasn't it wasn't so easy getting from LA from New York to LA either, right? Like that's when the five friends passed away. Like in the two years before I left, years before I left, um, and then coming to LA, you know, I was 26, 26 ish, and I really wanted to still change the world. I just didn't know how to do it, you know. And so entered into my 30s, I woke up one day when I was literally turning 30 and I wasn't making the six figures and I wasn't in a relationship and I wasn't having kids or married and I got really depressed for a couple of days, you know? And I, I mean, it was probably one of my lowest points in my life and I just decided, you know what? Instead of, I mean, I, I was listening to everything and, and the law of attraction and all that stuff was in my life, but it was on the periphery, right? And then I started to understand that I needed to start using goals and objectives and what that was going to be like. And my vision has been and always will be, you know, to, as you said, to inspire the world to smile from the inside. But I wasn't doing anything about that. So I'm like, how do I get from here to there? I literally wrote a list uh, on my phone and on paper and in my computer of everything I wanted to do, everything I wanted. And within three to six months, I had I was making the six figures. Right. I wasn't married, but I was traveling. I was doing half of everything that was on that list. And you were on your way. You were on was, the right path. Yeah. Even and and you know we all get stuck sometimes, and we all struggle with where we are. And I've learned that twenties are just a time to fuck up, right? Thirties is the time to kind of pay for that and start to get your right. life together. But forties, I think, for me, is where you're like. I don't really care anymore. I just want to have my shit together and build family and friends and really make a difference now. You know, I, I um, hear you, man. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on a very, I'm on a very similar path, dude. I, yeah. I, I just, I just turned 41 last week. Um, yeah. And like, I, I completely agree with you on that. Like if you want to put like a, a marker or a timestamp on it, you know, the forties are when you're really focusing on the things that are important to you and weeding out a lot of the shit in your life. That's just, you know, making all that noise. So I want to, I want to kind of bump up the story and, 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 and really get into, you know, it sounds so crazy, the death side of it too. Um, and your yeah, experiences yeah. and your experiences, uh, with death and, 
why are you trying to change the narrative and perspective? So let's, let's pull back the curtain. Let's talk about your experiences with death and how that's resonated with you and really changed everything. You know, I, I love death. I know it's very strange to say, but I love everything to do with death. I'm even creating a TV show about it right now. There's just, um, there's something about it. When I, by the time I was eight, everyone on my mother's side had passed away, like everyone. Um, except the only living relative it was my aunt, who's still alive, thank God. Um, and so by the time I was eight, I had such a, um, an understanding of right. people die. Everyone dies. Right. Um, then fast forward, you know, to like my early 20s, I had a couple friends pass away. Um, and some really good friends and family members. And it was like, okay, this is like, I noticed at that moment that I went through this little pattern. It was really strange, but I waited about two weeks. I mean, actually literally the smile method, I can just bring it in mm. here because it just makes sense here. But, um, so I, I found that I was in shock always for like two weeks. So, and it was the time that I just was trying to figure out why this happened what really like this is my life like how can you have died right. all that stuff. i mean even a 17 year old that i knew go ahead i'm sorry no i'm, I'm just oh. agreeing with you okay so um and then i realized at the two week mo at the two week mark i have this thing what i call acceptance, which is the m for the smile method right it's part denial part acceptance it's, it's the part where you have to get shit done right so it's the part where you are, someone dies in your life, you have to plan the funeral, you have to plan the memorial service, you have to sit shiver for 50 days, you know, everyone's coming to your house. You know that there's something major that you're kind of dealing with, but you're also kind of an acceptance and denial at the same time, right? So then I realized that after about, after that moment of, of when everyone leaves the house, you know, and, and you're watch. watching your yeah. Netflix, right? It's when I, the in overwhelmed them stage so the significant poignant emotions and the feelings happen and no one likes this part but this is when you cry this is when you laugh hysterically and then it turns to crying hysterically this is where you feel like shit you feel raw and i have to tell everyone that it's the most important part of dealing with death and dealing with any type of loss of hitting the bottom yeah and and it's and it's because you have to hit that place to understand anything else that happens to you and, and it helps you to deal with everything else that happens in your life, you know, because loss is loss, right. right? Granted, death is obviously kind of a, an exaggerated- one of, one of the ultimate losses. Right, one of the ultimate losses. Good, Extreme. Good that. Yeah. So I find that you have to go through that. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck here because they don't feel the emotions. They don't want to feel the emotions. And so they can never get to the, the other parts, right? And, and the next part is learning, for L for learning. It's the insight, it's the reflection, and it's the learning from whatever happened. Now, it's easier to talk about learning from a, losing a job or a relationship. Because, you know, I, I saw the signs at my job, I wanted to get out, or in a relationship, like, I know what I don't want, I know what I want. Writing's on the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you begin to understand, and, and you begin to um, see awareness like literally physically see awareness that of what you're going through right um and and this is where everyone most people most people get stuck here because no one takes the time to understand and to reflect on what happens to them even with death i mean it, you can still even do that right but it's also you have to take into account the circumstances of each death right and i think that's such a determining factor uh and that relationship like like listen you said it before, people die all the time, but people are sick, people are elderly. Um, you know, there, there's certain extremes to that. So 
you know, with this smile method, you know, is it one of those things where people are reaching out to you in their time of need? Or is it like referral or is it something that you're trying to also put out into the universe as a, as a tool? It's, it's, it's a tool that you developed that you want to give as a gift to people um, along the way to help them cope, to help them heal, to help them learn and, and recover. All of the above. It is in, it is in everything. Okay. Interview's over and that's that. And thanks for coming <laughs> on the show today. It's in everything that I do. It's in every coaching session that I have. It's also in the mediumship at readings when I'm reading for deceased loved ones. It's, it's helping people bereave, you know, um, before we move on, I just want to, the, uh, the last stage in this, in the, in the smile method is e. oh, we have to the E, the E. Yeah. So embrace, right? Because we live in the 21st century and acceptance is no longer good enough. It just, you can't just accept what happened to you. You have to right. enthusiastically embrace what's going on. That means being grateful for what happened. That means being grateful that they're out of pain. If it's a dog or if it's a cat or an ant or a person, right? Um, and it's, it's getting to that point. And, and by the way, this is not like, sometimes it's not linear. Uh, sometimes like two weeks ago, I was triggered when I was talking about being kidnapped, right? Or have being held at gunpoint, which I know we'll talk about. That always, yeah, like, that's next on my list here. <laughs> but that always brings up emotion in me and I deal with the emotion and I like let it be wrong. Yeah. Then I move forward again. I'm like, I'm so grateful because I can help people now with traumatic experiences, you know? It, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, one of the things that I see most that I, that I see right here on our, on our interview and like while I was doing my research is this overwhelming optimism oozing out of every pore of your body. So how does somebody who's been through so much fucking shit has been kidnapped? How, how do you keep that level of optimism? By the way, hold that cup up again. Hold that cup up. My daughter has that same cup in our cabinet. No That's way. The frozen, the frozen one movie cup. I'll send you a Obviously screenshot when I get home. Actually, yeah. I think I might have melted it in the dishwasher a couple of weeks ago. But we, <laughs> we digress here. We digress on the podcast. Let's bring it back. And we're going to – ready for this one? We're going to go from Frozen into being kidnapped. It's actually interesting because if you know the plot of Frozen right. – anyway. All right. We're going to reset here. Um, okay. Let's take us back and let's bring my, my tribe up to speed here. Um, it's pretty fucked up to be kidnapped once in life, but to be kidnapped twice is pretty crazy or being held at gunpoint. Why don't we just kind of level set and if you don't mind sharing those stories, if, yeah. if you don't mind going back to that. Yeah, so when I was eight, 19, 18, it was in Colombia because <laughs> I was super smart in my, my young youth. My, um, and my mother like forbade me to go to Colombia. I was living in Ecuador, studying in Ecuador. So I went to Colombia because that's what you do. Um, and so we were leaving the city. I was super sick. Uh, we were on a bus and I didn't realize that the cartels at that point, the gorillas, were stopping every bus and taking people, just literally just taking people. I knew that this was happening, but I like the coronavirus. You didn't think it was gonna happen to you, right? Yes. Not me. You're like, yeah. yeah. So we're on the bus, they stop the bus, and I hear this little girl like scream in Spanish, guerrillas, guerrillas, you know, meaning gorillas. And I was like, oh, this is not gonna be fun. So I didn't bring my passport, my, my US passport on purpose. Um, and so I had my, my Ecuadorian kind of ID, if you will. And they make everyone get off the bus. They're separating men and women, and they're held. They're basically holding guns to all the guys' heads across, like on the bus. And so, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my God, I'm about to die. What is my last thought?" Like that's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, my last that's, did did you not think for a second maybe I should have listened to my mom at that point? Like, oh did yeah. That thought go, I mean, oh, like, oh, why did I listen to my mom? I mean, like, it's like the Jewish mom thing. And like, now I have to go home and I have to hear this from her. 
You're like, Seth, why did you listen to me? I told you not yeah. to go on the freaking bus in Columbia. And you're like, oh, mom, but there's a guy with a gun to my head. And <laughs> you have to have a Jewish mom for that. Cause yeah. like, for sure. She, um, I didn't tell them actually for about five or six years that this happened because I didn't want them to know. So what happened um, in that situation? They came on the bus, so, they had the guns. Did they take so they, they literally, they kept us all like with the guns to our heads. And I'm thinking, I want a family. I'm thinking I miss my family. And then it was about maybe 10, 15 minutes. They got what they wanted. They found the drugs. They got the, they literally just pulled the guy off the bus, like just took him away. And, I, and my friends, I was with two girls. They were like over there. And I, you know, we kept looking at each other, but, um, and then they just like literally within five seconds, like we're like gone. And they're like, so yeah, but it, it's so crazy, right? Like it's, that's almost like everyday life down there during that time. Right. And it's more like standard operating procedure, but you didn't know that. I mean, listen, I like for that. some people that are down there, it's just like an everyday occurrence. And that's how they, that's their way of saying hello, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> and they got what they wanted and they moved on. But like, I, I don't mean to make a joke out of this. I mean, yeah. this whole coronavirus thing has got me in this like weird state where like when I'm, when I'm nervous or scared, my default mechanism is humor right? It's trying to make light of a situation. And I think that's like, you know, one, one of the gifts that, that I give and, and one of the gifts that you give that, that I absolutely love is this level of, of empathy, right? That you're mm -hmm. able to infuse into healing through your um, skills as a medium, which is freaking awesome. I love hearing stories. How, Leah, let's take it there for a second. Okay. How, did, how did you first find that you had that ability to be a medium. And, and why don't you give your definition for anybody who doesn't know what a medium is? Because I know the definition could vary a little bit between each, each um, culture, person who practices and culture. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, a medium is someone who connects with deceased loved ones. Um, so let me explain it also in a way. Every medium is psychic, right? But not every psychic is medium, is a medium. Yeah. So I believe that mediums can also connect with animals uh living or dead it's just par for the course um how i discovered it i knew throughout my life that i i felt things and knew things about people i would play the silly game at parties where i would guess where they're from with like a 95 percent accuracy in terms of a state or country without without hearing them talk no i would it would be within the first couple minutes yeah but they're like but everyone would be like, oh my God, Seth does this really cool thing where you can guess where you're from. But little did I know, I, that was way more than just me guessing, you know? Um, and then literally I woke up for the second time in about four years in two different relationships and I said, I deserve better. And the second time I did that, I, I, I noticed that I broke a pattern. I felt different. And the next day I could not stop receiving information about people. And their deceased loved ones. And it was, the portal was open. The portal the was port open. Yeah, <laughs> something. I mean, the gift then came, and and the gift the gift honestly keeps on giving because I didn't know that I could read animals and cheetahs and elephants and all stuff like. Yeah. You know, so it's been it's been a process, and it's been five or six years now, and you know, I, I haven't really you don't go to school for this. I mean, you can take courses, and and you know, but the only way to do it is experience. Do you have like a, a media mentor or somebody that, that you trust who has a similar um, skill uh, and magical ability? And I mean magic in the best way possible, right? Like somebody that you say like, are there methods that you use to harness it, control it? Because correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes you can't block out the thoughts and you may be walking by a stranger or somebody that you have a casual interaction with and you're picking shit up on them. And like, how do you know when to engage? How do you know when to say, hey, 
random guy in the street. I'm talking to your dead like sister. Like, like I'm, I'm, it's, it's a question that I have. Yeah. That no, I'm going to ask because I have a podcast and I get to ask cool questions like that. <laughs> I call them drive-by readings if I actually engage. The, I know that when I have to engage, when my heart starts palpitating and I can't focus anymore. So like I was on a date for Valentine's Day and I was sitting next to this woman and she was pregnant and the baby started talking to me and I was having a conversation with this guy that I kind of liked, obviously, and oh, I could not handle it. So I said, listen, I have to do this. And I turned to her and I was like, hey, um, I don't know if you believe this in mediumship, but that's, I'm a medium and I feel like I'm connecting with your baby. And, and then of course the whole table was like skeptics, except for her. And I she knew- She didn't freak the out. She didn't freak out. And the father, I didn't know this at the time, was across the way, but something, I knew that the father was like an absent father. And, it's, and, and so I, you, get, you get information, you get a lot of information, and then you discern what to say to people, right? Because you never know who's around. So the first thing I was like, so who's Mary? And she's like, I'm Mary. And I was like, oh, cool. And the sister-in-law, whatever, was like, well, you could have heard, ever heard us say that. I was like, okay, so you're 36 weeks pregnant. And I said, and you sing to the baby. The father travels a lot. And I said like five, six different things. And she's like, holy shit, how would you know that? And I was like, call me for a reading. Here you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> all it's, I had to tell her was that she was so nervous about being pregnant, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a superpower and you got to harness that powers for good. So let's talk about this <laughs> cheetah story. I got to hear this cheetah story. And okay. listen, man, animals, animals get old and I get really like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stone cold New Yorker and it takes a lot to kind of throw me off a little bit, but like, when I see an old animal, right? I'm like, oh man, like that's an old, like that animal lives such a long life. And like, maybe they should have like, like retirement homes for them and shit. But like when a cheetah's out in the jungle and it gets old, like what, what does it do? I mean, I, again, I'm kidding here, but let's talk about this cheetah story. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so my husband's from South Africa, right? Uh, we run a tour. Uh, it's called the Cheetah Experience. It's down in Boonfontaine. Um, and we were on this tour and he was very disappointed because you know we're walking around and these these animals had major and inc incredible enclosures but they were still caged in some way you know um and we wanted to touch the cheetahs because that was our goal um so we're walking around and i start like there's a black panther no black panther doesn't exist i learned it's a black leopard so we um yeah yeah but black leopard is not a good name for a movie who, who said to everyone listening that you would not learn something on the podcast today? <laughs> <laughs> I know it yeah but anyway so black leopard had something wrong with the back hind leg and I felt it um and, and so I, I I was really curious about him and then I felt something else with another animal that was there we don't even have it here anyway so um in the United States anyway so we're walking along and we get into this part where you're in with two cheetahs and you have to like put everything away and the owner walks in and I had done some research before I went and I knew it was the owner and she's asking everyone where they're from and of course I was the only person from Hollywood or the United States and she said oh what do you do and I was like well funny you should ask because I noticed that your black leopard has something wrong with the back hind leg and I, I feel like it's only been bothering for a couple days but there's something really going on and she's like how would you possibly know that I was just telling my you know my assistant that and I was like, because I read, we read people and animals. And she's like, what? So she sends off the rest of the tour and she brings us into this special cheetah area where there's like baby cheetahs running around, which are the cutest things. You're like, we did it. We found the <laughs> cheetah area. 
but this is your powers for good yeah no and it's an amazing kind of ability so she's like i want you to read mary and i was like who's mary and she's like i'm not telling you so we go in the we go in this enclosure with a trainer and she greets the mary the cheetah first um and then she leaves us in there and the uh, she's like you're fine here she's not gonna hurt you and i was like because and i was like why is that she's she said because she knows she can kill you so you're not a threat and also yeah. i wouldn't let anyone here she trusts me whatever so she's like i want you to read her and tell me everything you get i was like okay so my husband and i sit down with mary the cheetah and he's like i'm like oh my god you know like i'm trying to nice kitty him. Yeah. And he's like rubbing the head and she's licking him. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a cheetah. So the most amazing <laughs> thing she said to me was, I have far less days ahead than I have behind. And I was like, what a beautiful way to look at life, you know? And she told me about her ailments. She told me about like how for seven years she was away from this woman I who trained it. her essentially. And then now she's back and she's super happy to be back and, um, you know, a couple things. And I wrote all these things down. My husband writes the whole thing down. And then afterwards, the owner comes back and she's like, okay, tell me what you know. And we told her everything. And she's like, you know, I've been curious. Like, if she, I feel like she's come here to die, you know, or come back to me to die. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and so we're getting teary-eyed. But then I just feel this other cheetah around and I'm like I've never felt a dead cheetah before I felt a dead snake before but I've never felt a dead cheetah and so I started talking to her I was like why do I feel like there's another cheetah here and I feel like she's 19 and she's like oh my god that was my first cheetah she died like eight months ago wow, um, you felt the presence of the cheetah I did. <laughs> yeah. and so You're literally Dr. Doolittle you are Dr. Doolittle yes right yeah and I didn't even know that I could do this like I didn't know that animal speaking animals was part of the gifts you know so anyway that's she awesome. was crying i was crying it was just a beautiful experience you know I, I i love it man um you know so you talk a lot about being a spiritual healer and and a spiritual coach and and i personally i'm fascinated by spirituality i am not you know i i'm jewish by religion but i, I don't practice it but i believe in faith i believe in, in the concept and spirituality i also believe in auras and vibes and how, how do you perceive the science of aura and vibes and 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 how do you think you know, professional healers could incorporate into organizations to help people out? So my- Kind of a double-headed question there, yeah. yeah. It's fine, it's fine. So my husband is really the one, he sees auras everywhere on everyone and on everything. So he is definitely like more the person who's into auras. But to answer your question, there's, I think this awakening, maybe not right now because of the health conscious time that we're in, but it has been coming for a while that people are now into energy and they're into feeling people and they're into professional intuition and they're, uh -huh. you know, and I feel like now is the right time to strike with uh, getting into businesses. I actually, I'm, I'm an HR leader, right? So I've been head of HR companies and HR consultants. So it's easy for me to get in through an HR perspective and then start coaching right. people and then let me know what Almost. I'm doing. When I'm like, I, I feel like I'm seeing this image, you know, and I tell them the image and so I can do it without even them realizing, um, you know, I, I'm about to hopefully start with this new client where they want me to build a coaching and mentoring program. And they know that I do intuitive business coaching and executive coaching as well. So to bring in aspects of this, you know, it's not right now. I'm not, I'm not going into companies and saying, I'm an intuitive business coach. I'm going into companies saying I, I'm an executive coach and HR lead and I have incredible professional intuition. That's what I tell people. Right. So how, do you, so, how do you, so how do you weave in the concept of energy, aura, and vibes into business coaching, right? Because most traditional business coaches, you know, you're going to do kind of a SWOT analysis. 
of you know how someone operates. You're gonna you're gonna find their strengths or weaknesses. You're gonna work on those. You're gonna work on approaches, tonality, communications, and all that. And then you start to fuse in this idea of vibes, energies, and auras. Take us through how that plays into it, and how someone who is being coached could embrace those concepts and really use them as an advantage uh, to drive their career forward. Sure. So I, I tell people that I, I, I partner with my clients to reframe their past through using the present, helping them to re-engage, recommit in the present, and then helping them learn their own, to, to trust and understand their own intuition, and then therefore building a better legacy in future, in future for themselves, but also everyone around them. So I specifically work with executive CEOs, politicians, because eventually I want to work on the the senators, prime ministers, presidents level and, and help them popes. With, popes, yeah, help them with their spiritual decisions, right? And their decisions. Um, but what I do is I talk to people about the present and their present issues. And we it's part therapy, part coaching, part intuition, mostly business. And because I have this business background, I can speak to them on any level, right? So we might like set it. goals and objectives like I've been taught to do so many times and, you know, through coaching schools and certifications and stuff, but it's, it's honestly what they're going through now and through what they're going through now or today, even we can delve into their past. We can delve into their future. We can delve into the present and I don't need to do SWOT analysis with people because I can read them. Yeah. So to answer that's your question, advantage, yeah. in, I'm sorry, what? So that's your competitive advantage. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I weave in the intuition. So I start by saying, you know, I'm seeing this image of you on this ledge or, or like I feel, for example, I have one client who says I'm his board of directors because I'm his mentor, I'm his friend, I'm his chairman, I'm his vice chairman, because I'm giving him all sorts of angles of different information. And he was right. really wanting to get an investor. And I knew that in that room, there'd be of family and variety of people. And I knew there was one woman who would be really into the financials. I knew there was another guy who was into the creative side. And so I literally told him all this stuff before I even went in the room that this is what I'm feeling. Now, he nailed that meeting, got the investment, you know, that stuff. Had he, could he have done that without me? Of course. But did I help better prepare him? Absolutely. And I always tell people it's what they need to hear, not what you want to hear, right? So I'm not going to sit here and let you go on and on and on about anything. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about the correlation between mental health and spiritual healing. Mental health is, you know, the, the hot topic, the hot button. And I even hate saying it like that. I mean, mental health has been around for a long time. I think that we're just in a point of society right now where we're putting it on the pedestal in the forefront where it should be, because so many people have issues that they're either masking or they're not getting help for. They don't know how to ask for help for, but more importantly, it's about the awareness factor, being able to recognize certain things in your friends, your coworkers, people that you love so you can help them get help. Um, I think personally that there is a huge correlation between spiritual healing and mental health, but I'd love to get your perspective and viewpoint. Yeah, and, and listen, I'm not a doctor, right? Um, I, I'm not an MD, I don't have training. Um, you gotta put okay. the disclaimer here. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> but I, I do, obviously there are people um, with severe mental health issues, right? Schizophrenia being one, um, and, but I, always feel that some type of spiritual healing is always helpful. I also feel like people that are depressed um, can really do a lot with spiritual healing, healing in any sense of the way. Um, I also feel like it's, 
I feel like this stuff that I'm into, the, the intuition, the psychic, the healing can be powerful enough to help someone get off pills or feel better about who they are, their life. I mean, granted, I know that there are chemical issues, challenges for some people, but I, I tend to agree with you in the fact that I believe that this work can do wonders. I mean, I've worked with a lot of depressed people um, and, and I've helped them to either get off pills or, or, you know, obviously under supervision of their doctors, right? Another disclaimer, um, but also feel happier with themselves. Yeah. And um, that's, and that's, and that's, what's really, uh, that's, what's really critical there. And, and being happy leads me to talk about your book, quote, how I learned to smile from the inside. <laughs> um, and you know, how you believe that anyone could heal from anything in life. What drove you? This is a ten-part question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, what, what drove you to what drove you to write the book? And for someone who's reading it, what's the key takeaway that you want them to walk away from afterwards? Okay, so it's a long story how it started, but the short abbreviation is my Please. partner at the time. <laughs> he's zero converted from HIV negative to HIV positive, um, and at the time I was traveling to Mexico back and forth, thus leading to how I was held at gunpoint the second time um and it was 24 hours to get there and it took me 12 hours to get back to him it's a long story but as i was running back to him and making all these trains and planes and automobiles to get back to him it occurred to me that i was about to go through something major it was going to change our lives we'd have to change everything down to never using each other's toothbrushes or whatever you know um and i thought to myself how cool would it be if i could actually separate myself and be aware enough to actually notate what I'm about to go through and what are the steps that I'm about to go through to get to a place of healing. Because I, I don't think there's any other way, and that's just me. And I hope that everyone eventually feels this way, but there's no other way to get through but to overcome everything you've been through. Because otherwise you're not gonna get up in the morning and that's no fun. Um, so the book started really literally me in a seat, in a plane, being like, what am I experiencing now? What do I feel now? What's going on? You know, so that's started. So I wrote the book in basically two chunks, one basically six months from that moment on. And I just literally wrote all the time. And then I took a break for about a year, two, broke up with that guy for many other reasons. And then I started to write it from a different perspective. And, and it was a personal memoir. And then I turned it into a self-help for other people. So key takeaways are these five steps and awareness is key. So knowing what you're about to go through, knowing that you can go through it, knowing you've been through it before, having that awareness and having that understanding that you've been through this before is really where it's at. And the, one of the, obviously the premise is you can heal from anything and everything and that happens to us. I love it. I love it. Seth, what are you scared of? <sighs> Interestingly, um, it just happened. I was driving to Stonehenge in UK on the other side of the road in the rain in traffic with a stick shift on the other side of the road. That was what I'm scared of. Um, big spiders scare me. I don't, I think you're talking about big. <laughs> I, I fucking hate spiders, man. I, I hate spiders. <laughs> I, hate, I hate little bugs that could kill me. I hate, I hate venomous little spiders and all that. Yeah. What? What I, I find you to be very authentic just from our brief encounter right now. Oh, um, I, I, I feel it. I could hear it. You know, I feel I, I, I absorb energy. I process energy. And there's, there's many years of my life and it kind of faded away a little bit, but I, I was able to absorb 
and feel negative energy coming either to me or from other people around me. I had a yeah. weird sense of it. I was very perceptive to negative energy. Um, but getting back to my question, what, you know, what does that word authentic mean to you? I mean, it's being me 100% of the time, right? Being that the unique individual I am at every minute. Um, and it's really hard for me to lie. Like I am so, I'm such a bad liar. Being transparent, being honest with people. Um, just showing them who you are at every minute. I, I love it, man. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Meeting people where they're at. What do you mean by that? So no, understanding that my 100% is not a lot of people's 100%, right? It could be people's 150, 180, you know? Um, every conversation I have, it's about reading them first. And anyone, anyone can do this. If you walk into a room of, of breathing people, you're gonna be like, hey, what's up guys? You know? I Party mean, time. Right, I mean, I might do that, but, but then kind of understanding the energy that you're going into. And people give themselves away in, in their first couple sentences. So in every conversation of where they're feeling, how they're feeling. So it's, it's reading a room and, or reading a person and understanding like, like if someone just loses their job, you know? I'm not gonna be like, what's up, man? You know, it's gonna be like, what's going on? You know, yeah. that's what I mean by meeting people with that. I think that's the most important lesson that I've learned. I, I love it, man. And, and that's empathy. I mean, I think everyone has empathy in them. And I think that yeah. it's important to be able to dial it up, dial it down, like being in the, being in the right space for it and, and being able to really read a room. And that's, that's an incredible um, piece. And, and last but not least, and, and I love to get every one of my guests perspectives on this one. Because okay. for me, you know, you know, my North Star is, is what guides me. It's my, it's my magnet when I'm up and I'm down. And Seth, you've, you've been through some shit, man. You've lost people close to you. You've been held up at gunpoint. You've been in some terrible situations. You've been through love. You've been through loss and all that. Yeah, On the sir. flip side, you've found yourself. You found your calling. You found your, your higher calling and purpose. And you're giving so much back to life. So in good times, you know, when you want to look up for gratitude in shitty times when you need to pull yourself up. Seth Elliott, what is your North Star? I, I feel like it's knowing that when I die, whenever that is, I mean, I know when that is because I have this weird way of telling when everyone's going to die, but that's another story completely. How do I know that? It is, um, it's knowing that I helped a large majority of the world become more aware and, and heal from anything. And, and because people are so sad and depressed, not necessarily clinically, um, but just they have such sadnesses and they carry everything they've been through with them. And my wish and my, my driving, my North Star is to help people remove, alleviate, relieve them of, that, of those burdens. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Seth Elliott, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today oh, and, and sharing and, and pulling back the curtain on, on your life and who you are. I certainly appreciate that. Where can folks find you? Where can they connect you, with you? Where can they learn more about Seth Elliott? Sure. So they can go on web, my website, IamSethElliott.com. They can go to SethSantoro.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Seth Santoro. Uh, and every single like social media, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's all uh, I am Seth Elliott is the, the 
the at or the hashtag. I love it, man. Seth, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I've had such a great time. Great to meet you, man. And to everyone listening at home, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels. You know where they are. Click, link, subscribe, network. Remember, take your online, offline, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www dot nhptalentgroup dot com.